Father God, we just come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you once again for this. Oh my gosh, I just consider it such a privilege to be able to be here at this wonderful church with these precious people simply for one reason only, and that is to unveil Jesus. Thank you for helping me do that. I receive your help right now, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh, Pastor Mike said we'll preach 30 minutes, which I think is great. You know, you can only take in so much information, right? <laughs> you guys have been here, and so this will be great. I will tell you this. First of all, the title is How Can You Know If You're Believing the Good News, Part 3. And the other two parts, if you weren't here yesterday, if you're not, if you're on, happen to be on Facebook, you can connect with me on Facebook. I actually did it. I'm doing it again this morning through Facebook Live. And so you can go back and watch those if you want to. Uh, but this is part three of that. And I will tell you, I'm going to be reading a lot of quotes by Paul Ellis today. And, you know, I, some might think, somebody might think, well, it's kind of strange just reading quotes out of another guy's book. But it is not strange to me because I'm not here to build my own kingdom. <laughs> I am here to point people to Jesus and these quotes point you to Jesus. And so that, that, that's just, it's totally fine with me. And I obviously have some scriptures to read as well, and I'm going to talk, talk to you about some stuff, but a lot, like six quotes. I've never done this in a teaching, but you're going to love them. And John, did you get them to where they're going to be up on the screen, the quotes? About half of them? Okay, yeah, he's when work. I didn't even ask him to do it. He took pictures of them, and he's been typing them out. So, okay, so let's start with a quote. First of all, well, let me just say this first. How can you know if you're believing the good news? If you're believing and hearing the good news, it will point you to Jesus, not yourself. Okay? So it's going to point you to Jesus and what he's already done, not to yourself and what you need to do. I'm not saying you won't end up doing things as a result of being pointed to Jesus. You will. But it will be a very natural thing that comes out of living the grace life. Instead of having this list of rules in your head, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. Instead, focus on Jesus, and then naturally coming out of that will be the things you need to do. Here's an example. Before I came into a revelation of grace, I would serve in the church. And I would serve all the time, but so many of the things I did, I did with wrong motives, big time wrong motives, because I wanted to do it to impress people. Like I lived my whole life to impress people. I haven't said that here this weekend yet, but I am telling you right now, that's it. Remember how I talked to you about how I had the girls go up and wipe their faucets and make sure their area was perfectly clean? Well, that was in case anybody showed up at my house because I wanted to impress people. That's why I had to have everything perfect all the time. Same thing about serving in the church and giving and everything I did. It was just, it was all for the wrong motive. And I didn't realize it at the time, but when God changed me, um, he actually asked me to lay down serving in the church for a while because he wanted me to do it as a result of living in God's grace after my heart had been changed instead of doing it feeling like, it's a rule. It's a law. I've got to do this, you know. And so I remember sitting in the church that I was going to at that time and the pastor being up, and he wasn't doing anything wrong. He was just telling people, you know, the need for to serve in this certain area. And I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew I wasn't supposed to sign up for that yet. God was going to release me at some point, but not yet. And I remember sitting there and feeling like, what are they going to and that told me that my motive was wrong, that I was just doing it to, because, to impress, you know, so people would think well of me. 
And I didn't. I, I stay. I kept in what God asked me to do, lay it down. And as I continued, that was like my first year of my grace journey, probably, I'm sure. As I continued to receive God's grace and keep my eyes on Jesus, he totally changed my heart. Grace changes your heart. And then I knew at some point I was released. And then it was such a joy to serve. Then I remember going back to the church for a, like a, a meeting where they were training the volunteers. And before, like, I wouldn't have, there was different positions you, you had in this certain job, this camp that they had. And I would have been like, yeah, I, I cannot do the bathroom because I always thought I was better than everybody else, right? Now my heart was completely changed. And I remember sitting in, because that's what the law does to you. It makes you think you're either better than everybody else or worse, one or the other. And it's usually it's flip, flips, flops back and forth. And so I remember being in that church, in that meeting, and thinking my heart was totally changed by grace now and thinking, I don't care where I work. I could care less if they asked me to clean the bathrooms the whole week or work with the kids or do something else, be a leader. It did not matter to me, truly. See, grace had changed my heart. And then I could serve from a place, a right motive, a correct motive. But it had to be done. Grace had to do the work in my heart. I couldn't just, it, just being under a law couldn't change that, you know. The law doesn't do that. So here's the first quote by Paul Ellis. Like I said, what well, I've been saying yesterday, I want to say once again, this is out of his book called The Gospel in Ten Words. At the very end, it's, it's a whole section in there about how you can know if you're hearing the true gospel. And it's, it's called The Test of Your Gospel, and I recommend that book. So uh, here we go. A true gospel preacher. I think this one's probably ready, isn't it, John? Okay. He's going to get up. Oh, it's Okay. Okay, yeah, I just think it's cool if you can see it. A true gospel preacher will always seek to reveal more and more of Jesus. Jesus is the supreme manifestation of the character and purpose of God. He is grace personified. Any message that doesn't reveal Jesus will likely be a powerless substitute, a flesh trip, meaning getting your, I got to work up the power to do this in my own flesh and a wasted opportunity. Jesus is peerless, and I, I looked up what peerless means. It means unequaled, unrivaled, and nothing compares to him. That's why when, when you know when you're being pointed to Jesus, you're going, your believing is going to be right, okay? When you're pointed to yourself and everything you have to do, it's going to get you in bondage. I love what you said, Angela. Several things you said up here. I was actually getting choked up as you were saying them because I love to see people changed by receiving the love of God. And you said, you, this Angela is the worship leader for those watching Facebook Live up here and uh, at this church, and she said she used to, when she led worship, she used to be like, what is everybody thinking of me? What is everybody? That was me to the T. And uh, now you're just like, I'm here to worship Jesus. She doesn't even have her, she doesn't have her eyes on herself anymore, you know? Okay, so 1 Corinthians 1, 30 through 31 is where we're going to go for the first scripture. I love this. Remember how I've been telling you all weekend, it's all about Jesus, okay? It's he did it all. Here we go. But by his doing, I have his doing in red letters on my notes here, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. Jesus is your wisdom. Righteousness, 
sanctification and redemption. Jesus is all of those things for you. I heard a minister say once, you know, something about um, people who say Jesus is their holiness and and he was laughing about it, like, you know, because he was preaching the law. Like, you have to do all these things to be holy. And I just thought, you can go your route if you want to. Go ahead and try to be holy on your own. I've tried that for years, but I'm receiving Jesus as my holiness. <laughs> and that, that's what gives me peace, right? Um, so that, uh, so again, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. When you're under grace, you don't even have any desire to boast in yourself, because it, it's all about Jesus. It's, we can't do it on our own. I mean, you heard me say yesterday how long I tried to live the Christian life, and I failed, 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 because I was living as if I was under the old covenant of law, but when I let God bring me out from that wrong belief and, and reveal to me that I'm really living under the new covenant of grace. I always was, but I didn't know it. I wasn't living as if I was. Um, and I even went to a church called New Covenant when I was growing up. And I'm not saying they didn't tell me this, because believe me, I was told some things that I just didn't get for some reason. I was just deceived. But I didn't know I was living in the New Covenant. I was going to a church called New Covenant. So I thought, that's funny. <laughs> okay, next quote by Paul Ellis. The true gospel will make you increasingly dependent on Christ's love. But a counterfeit gospel glorifies the flesh, your willpower, your own resources, and understanding. So when I was in the restroom this morning, I was just washing my hands and going, oh, I can't wait to get out there for worship. You know, I have a responsibility here to bring whatever messages the Holy Spirit gives me to bring. But really, that's not my main thing here. It's just to, it's every day, my main purpose is just to be in relationship with my Father. Just to be in relationship with God. And I mean, if I come up here, which I did, and I was, oh, I just enjoyed worship so much. And enjoyed your message on the communion, um, Pastor Marie. Oh my gosh, I just enjoyed it so much. And what this right here is going to flow out of what I just did right there. <laughs> not me just knowing everything I need to say and, you know, having all my ducks in a row. And I'm not saying you don't study and, you know, I do do that. And sometimes there's been times where I haven't studied enough. And you know what? I remember being on an interview one time after I read my book. This is after I came into Grace, after I wrote my book. And, um, of course, I came into Grace because I had written a book now. And my publisher got me all kinds of interview opportunities. And I was in Canada. I had three interview opportunities in a row. The first two went great. And then I was in Canada, and I got caught up into doing something else instead of looking over my notes for the interview. And I, I mean, it wasn't a good choice. I should have been looking at my notes. But I remember thinking, God, I just look to you right now and your unmerited favor, even though I didn't make the right choice. Then I was too sleepy. I had to go to bed. And that next day, because I depended on his grace, not my works, that was the best interview out of all three of them. And I, I, that, that happens to me all the time, guys. I'm getting chills talking about it. The other day, I woke up, and, and you know, I was at your guys' house, and I woke up and just the morning of yesterday morning, early, and I just laid there for a while in bed, and I said, man, I thank you, God. And what I do here this weekend isn't dependent 
on the fact that I've been perfectly obedient because I haven't been, but Jesus has. And I thank you that it's not dependent on the fact that I've done everything right because I haven't. I mean, that just causes you to fall so in love with Jesus. This covenant is between the Father and Jesus. And that results in good fruit in your life. It does. It definitely does. Like I talked to you yesterday about how I got mad at my girls and now I haven't lost my temper at all since, since that time because I received God's grace in that situation, you know? Okay, so I'm going to keep an eye on my time here. Actually, yeah, there it is. Okay, okay, I still got decent amount of time here <laughs> okay so again the true gospel will make you increasingly dependent on christ's love but a counterfeit gospel glorifies the flesh your willpower your own resources and understanding okay so number one point was if you're believing the true gospel you'll be pointed to jesus you'll be jesus conscious you won't be sin conscious and self-conscious you'll be jesus conscious Say it again. Or devil, or devil conscious. That's good. That's good. I like that. Um, number two, truth that will prove to you that you're believing right is it works. <laughs> it actually works in your life. <laughs> it took me like 34 years to realize the way I was doing my Christian life wasn't working. <laughs> and then I got really mad. I was like, this is not working. I mean, I was so mad when I finally realized. I was like, how in the world did I miss this all my life? thinking it was about me, and it was about Jesus the whole time. It was about what Jesus had done for me through his death, burial, and resurrection the entire time, and I got so deceived by the devil thinking it was something I had to do. And so it works, and let me read this. I love this. Titus 2, 11 through 13 in the Passion Translation. John, it doesn't matter. If you have it, just put it up there. If you don't, totally fine. The Passion Translation. I love the title over this. It says, God's grace, our motivation. Okay. God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. This same grace teaches us how to live each day. As we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles, and it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Now, does it say there that our works and all our rules is what causes us to live right? It doesn't. It says it's the grace of God. His marvelous grace. Now, verse 13, for we continue to look forward to the joyful fulfillment of our hope in the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus, the Anointed One, the person of grace. It's his grace that teaches us how to live a godly life. Here's another quote by Paul Ellis. I have learned, I love this, I have learned that in the church, or anywhere in any ministry, I have learned that in the church there are two ways to deal with sin. Number one, preach law, or number two, reveal grace. Isn't that amazing? And reveal grace means reveal Jesus, because he is the person of grace. And so there's only two ways that you can go. Some churches choose to do law. Some churches choose to reveal grace. Some churches mix the two together. That doesn't work either. <laughs> a law-based message will stir up the flesh in a human-powered quest for a change in behavior. This approach is inherently flawed. 
For the purpose of the law, here's why, here's why. This is so interesting. For the purpose of the law is to inflame sin. <laughs> it's to show us we can't actually do it, so we, it drives us to our need for a Savior. Not to extinguish it. That's why it doesn't work when you're just given this list of do's and don'ts or steps or rules because it's just, it's, it does, it's not, there's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's you depending on yourself. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be depending on the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to care, you know, walk out this Christian life. And so the law releases condemnation, which some mistake for conviction, and ministers, and it ministers death. The Bible says this. This is, it. This is like in the Bible. I'll read you a scripture in a minute. It ministers death just as it was designed to do. That's in 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 9. Now, like Nicole said yesterday, there is nothing wrong with the law itself. It is holy, just, and good. It's just that we can't ever live up to it. We'll never be able to live up to it perfectly, which is why Jesus did it for us. And so that's why it ministers death to us if we're trying to live under the law, because we'll constantly feel like we're coming up short, which is what happened to me for all those years. In contrast, the gospel of grace will point you to the cross where your sins were dealt with once and for all. And it will empower you to overcome sin by revealing your new identity in Christ. So that's another quote by Paul Ellis. Now I want to go to 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 9 in the New Living Translation. The glory of the new covenant. Ugh, the new covenant. Who's thankful for the new covenant? I'm so thankful for the new covenant. Jesus really did come to make all things new. The old way with laws etched in stone led to death. See, it's right there in the Bible. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way or the new covenant? Now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? Mm. It's the only way to live, I'll tell you. Okay, here's another quote. <laughs> you are not a sinner held captive to sin. That If you believe that, you're going to be held captive to sin. You are not a sinner. If you're born again, I'm talking about if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a saint. You are not a sinner. No longer a sinner. Don't, I'm not saying you never sin. I'm just saying that's not your identity. Okay? You are not a sinner held captive to sin. You are a new creation learning to walk. Your old sin software has been nailed to the cross. Isn't that awesome? Oh, I'm so glad, John. Thank you for typing these out so they can see these. You now have the same appetites and desires as Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Do you go around thinking that? I have the same appetites and desires as Jesus. Wow, that's what you should believe about yourself. That's true about you and your new creation identity. Past habits are not dealt with by laying down the law, but by reckoning yourself dead to sin, I'm going to add that in, and alive to Christ. Again, the focus is on Jesus, not you. See? There it is. 
Okay, so the two first two points I gave about how you can know if you're believing the good news is you'll be pointed to Jesus, not yourself. Jesus conscious, not self-conscious. It will actually work in your life, so it will bring you into a place of peace and rest, which is what I live in now. That doesn't mean I have peace 100% of the time because I choose sometimes to identify with my old identity like we talked about yesterday. But I'm telling you, probably 95% of the time I live in peace and rest, regardless of my circumstances. I'm not saying when everything's going okay. I'm saying no matter what because of God's grace and how it's changed my heart and how my reliance is on him and it's all about him and I'm Jesus conscious. The third point and final point is if you are believing the good news, it will make you feel secure. Okay? Here's another quote. Does the message I'm hearing leave me anxious and or what I'm believing, which is usually from what we what what we believe is what comes from what we hear. Um, or what we read. Does the message I'm hearing leave me anxious and insecure, or does it fill me with supernatural peace and joy? Does it emphasize my responsibility to perform for Christ or release a joy-filled response to Christ? Remember when I talked to you about the serving? I was going to tell that story right now, but I told it earlier. I was so joyful to serve after that. My motivation was totally changed, and now, I mean, oh my gosh, we spend most of our life serving. I mean, we go on these, now where I'm going out to speak and stuff, and I do it because I want to get the good news out to people. That's like all I care about is making Jesus famous, you know? And so God does to totally change your heart, and when you're under grace, it won't emphasize your responsibility. It doesn't mean you won't do anything as a result, but it all comes on the other side of grace, and it's very natural, and it's not like, you're not thinking, I'm coming up short, I'm coming up short. You let grace change your heart by receiving the love of God, receiving his unconditional love, and then everything comes from that. And then it will be, you will do what you do out of um, a release of joy, a joy-filled response to Christ. Okay, Hebrews 4.10 is the last scripture. I'm actually almost done. What's it, like 11.19? I think I started at 11. Thank you, God. Miracle. Um, <laughs> Hebrews 4.10. <laughs> For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. We've been talking about that a lot at Pastor Murray and Mike's house, about resting and just the importance of resting in Jesus. And even physically resting, you know? I mean, you can do, you can definitely work from a place of rest. So it doesn't mean you're always just physically resting. You can definitely work from a place of rest and just a place of peace. But it's so important. And it says here, for all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors. And do you know how we enter into God's rest? Who can tell me? It's in that same chapter, by believing. Right, by believing. By believing in Jesus and what he has done. Not by having a list of rules of what we think we need to do, but by believing in Jesus and then letting him. See, his love persuades our heart then. It persuades our heart to do everything we need to do. Okay, I, I want to ask you a question, and then I'm going to read one more quote. What would happen if you stopped doing the things for God that you do? Think about that. 
what if you never read the Bible again in your life? Do you think, what do you think God would do? That's exactly right, Myron. He would still love you just as much as he loves you right now. And I mean, of course, you could really get, I could really get, you know, yelled at for teaching that. But here's the deal. But here's the deal. You're not going to want to do that. <laughs> I told you what happened to me. I used to read the Bible for the wrong motives because I was afraid God was going to be mad at me. Now I know that I know that I know if I never picked up a Bible another day in my life, God would not feel any differently about me, and I cannot stay out of the Bible. But I know I'm not doing it to impress God. I'm not doing it to be pleased with him. I'm not doing it to be approved. You are check approved, like Nicole said yesterday. Way better than TSA, right. You are approved by God, and you are approved by him because you're his child, not by what you do. Not by going to church. I'm not saying going to church isn't important. Community is so important. But you've got to know you don't have to do that to be approved of by God. And then you're going to want to do it from the right heart. Okay? Okay, last quote. Grace and ungrace don't mix. How do you recognize the authentic gospel? It's 100% good news. There's no bad news in the good news. There's no price tag on the gift no hooks in his love, and no shadows in the light. The gospel proclaims that in union with Christ, you are loved, forgiven, saved, accepted, holy, righteous, dead to sin, new, and royal. That's from Paul Ellis's book. The gospel is good news from start to finish. Amen? God bless.